everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take decrepitly old movies and give them a fresh review, because we don't have anything to do on a Sunday. Or something along those lines. <laughs> In all seriousness, there are certain movies that have fallen into the lexicon that are either considered classics, or they're hailed, or they're, uh, you know... Uh, Reviled, and we take a look at those movies and we see does it stand up to the hype or the revulsion of <laughs> this week in honor of the opening of what may be the biggest superhero movie of all time Avengers Age of the Revenge of the Fallen uh, Ultrons. Um, we're going to do what is arguably the superhero movie that started it all and that is 1989's Batman. No, 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 no. No, that's a good Batman. Oh, sorry. Spoiler about my own review early on. I always get those two confused. Yeah. So, for those of you who haven't seen Tim Burton's Batman, it was directed by Tim Burton. Um, produced by Peter Gruber, John Peters, and if you know who John Peters is, you'll laugh and, is, you'll laugh, and laugh. Um, screenplay by Sam Hamm and uh, Warren Skerrin. Um, story by Sam Hamm. And uh, starring Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Kim Bassinger, Robert Wall, Pat Hingle, Billy D. Williams, Michael Goh, or Goff? I'm not quite sure how I to think say it. I think it's Goff. Is it Goff? Yeah, it's Goff, okay. yeah. I should know because I lived on Goff in San Francisco when I was a younger man. In fact, can we just talk about me? Uh, hey, I didn't. Being, I didn't uh, ask. Stand-up comedian in San Francisco. <laughs> I didn't in ask for your life story. <laughs> Watching Batman in a theater, <laughs> um, and, and Jack Palance. Music by Danny Elfman. Doing his best Danny Elfman music. <laughs> and if you don't know what this music sounds like, uh, watch uh, Dick Tracy. It's the same music, I think, pretty much. Yeah. He repeats this theme like 900 times. Just pretty much listen to any score Danny Elfman has written since, and you'll get the idea. Exactly. And this movie was released in June 1989 to humongous fanfare and fans chomping at the bit and other fans wondering why Michael Keaton was cast in the part of Batman. And um, it was a, a staggering hit. It made uh, it was made for $48 million, which was over budget, by the way. And um, it took in a box office of around $411 million. So that means it was a super hit. In fact, I think it was one of the highest grossing films of all time when it, went, when it first came out. Yeah. Hey, Steve, last time I did a summary of the plot. Do you want to <gasps> do the summary of the plot oh, this time? Oh, gee, I don't know if I, I don't know this movie very well. I hope I don't can remember. Pretend, don't you pretend like you don't know um, this thing backwards I've probably forwards. I've probably seen this movie. I, this may actually be true. I haven't done strict research to, to, to demonstrate this empirically, but I may have yeah. seen this movie more times than I have seen any other movie. Uh, Ow. Owing to the fact that it came out when I was nine years old, and it was, I think, the first movie that I bought on VHS tape like for myself and watched in a VCR and I've just seen this movie so many damn times it's ridiculous um, well uh, the by the way I may interject during your plot summary Please. with the copious amounts of notes that I took <laughs> well I Batman. mean Honestly, my plot summary, please interject because my plot summary probably won't take all that long. I mean, uh, okay. we uh, it's 
we we open in Gotham City, which is sort of like the the cinematic introduction to the modern version of Gotham, the sort of uh, deteriorated urban nightmare type of place. Yeah, where uh, they hired the most depressed architects <laughs> to make the most depressing architecture in the world, where the statues are like over like shrouded things holding up huge balls on their backs, you know, that kind of and, architecture. And then they don't invest in any upkeep at all because the no. because the depressing architecture is falling apart. They uh, have a fuck it janitorial yeah, service in so, Gotham. So there's like a and and into this urban nightmare is this family of tourists who are wandering through the streets utterly lost. In fact, we know they're lost because the child is actually holding a map, which is a, an early clue as to how smart this movie is. Yeah. Not only do they say we're lost multiple times, but one of the but the kid even has a map, you know, to cue us visually that they are in fact mm-hmm. lost and looking for where they are. Uh right. They get mugged, they wander stupidly down an alley and get mugged. Uh, and the mugging is uh, not prevented by Batman. No, yeah, we, <laughs> but... yeah, we we cut away to what it may be the worst animated shadow ever um, of Batman standing <laughs> on the roof of a building watching this occur. You might think, and you know. Obviously, we don't want to rewrite the movie, but you might think that this would have been a good opportunity to introduce Batman as sort of a heroic figure, sort of a savior figure. No, no, Batman watches the family from a rooftop get mugged and beaten. Uh, Get mugged in the same exact way that his parents (laughs) died, by the way. And then the crooks are shown on a rooftop somewhere, presumably nearby, and and they're counting up their money. And that's when Batman decides to show up and just basically terrorize (laughs) them for shits and giggles because they've already committed their crime. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, you know, he pulls out. It's the first time we see the batarang, and he throws a batarang at a guy and drags him around, and he kicks another guy through a wall, and he dangles one of the crooks over the ledge of a building, and the guy is really actually uh, very helpful because he feeds Batman his most famous line in the film. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, the the crook is like, "Who are you?" And uh, in his best Michael Keaton rasp, Batman says, I'm Batman. And then he dumps the guy, you know, back onto the roof and jumps away into the night and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So there's Batman. Now, in defense of of that, at least we don't have him covered with tattoos letting us all know that he's Batman. (laughs) We never see him with his shirt off. He could possibly... Yeah, it's, the movie, that's true. It, it, it is quite possible in the next year or so we may come to regard this version of Batman as uh, incredibly subtle and understated. Yeah. Stay tuned for our We Apologize to Tim Burton yes. uh, podcast it's, about uh, that. It's, it's, it's basically up to the <laughs> the current DC filmmakers whether or not we come <laughs> to have a better opinion of this version of Batman. Um, right. But so so then we, we get introduced to a bunch of other completely useless characters that really don't need to be in the story at all uh there's uh alexander knox the reporter for the gotham whatever i think it's the gazette but i could be wrong Uh, one of the gotham newspapers uh... Uh, Robert Wool. Robert Wool plays him. He shows up first at the scene where these these two uh, crooks are being carted away by the cops or taken away in mm-hmm. ambulances. Uh, we also meet uh, Lieutenant Eckhart, who is like Eckhart. The... Which, by the way, this scene has the worst ADR ever. <laughs> it's it's almost as if they hired anybody to do his voiceover. There are I don't know what. It... <laughs> there are actually a couple of scenes in this movie that have like obviously bad ADR. It's a little weird yeah. for such a big budget movie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we meet Lieutenant Eckhart, who is the stereotypical corrupt big city cop. I mean, he's like, he's overweight, he's unshaven, he wears suspenders and a loose tie and a shabby yeah. over. He's like, basically, just close your eyes and imagine a crooked cop and you'll be picturing this guy. Right. Uh, Apparently, the police don't have a requirement for physical fitness no, at any point. Not at all. <laughs> so we meet this guy, and he kind of has a back and forth with Knox. And then he goes into a mysterious dark alley where he meets Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, who is like mm-hmm. a sort of a, a high-level lieutenant of the city's uh, dominant mob family. Although, Mo- Well, I had a question about that. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be gangsters, but they keep talking about businesses. Yeah. And having meetings at City Hall about, we've just sold the businesses to so-and-so. So So are they businessmen, or are they gangsters? You can be both, Jason. Oh, that's right. We're liberals, so yeah, they are both. They're both. You know, it's that's a, that raises a great point, though, because th- so much in this movie just seems like half of an idea. It really yeah. doesn't seem like the screenwriter put any thought at all into how this city worked. Mm-hmm. So you have just sort of the vague impression of organized crime and police corruption. And none of it even really winds up being all that important. It's right. just kind of there. So Eckhart is a cop on the take. He receives a bribe from Jack in the form of money in a sandwich for utterly no reason at all. Uh, right. You know, he could have easily just handed him the money, but he's got it in a little <laughs> sandwich. Uh, because he's whimsical. Um and is that what we're supposed to get from the I character? don't know. See, that's the thing. There's so much of it is left to like, well, yeah, I guess we're just supposed to have to fill in the blanks with our own imagination because mm-hmm. there's nothing here. Um, so, you know, they, uh, it didn't have anything to do with Jack Nicholson just saying, Tim, I'm going to play the part the way I want to play the part. Yeah. Just point the camera. At yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know there's so there's Jack Nicholson as Jack Napier and he's a mob guy he's like a lieutenant yeah. to and and the, uh, the 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 main boss of the city is played by Jack Palance uh that's Carl Grissom sort of the 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 old man in charge of organized crime and Jack is right. having an affair with Grissom's younger girlfriend played by Jerry Hall who was Mick mm-hmm. Jagger's wife at the time and was like a big right. supermodel um, and we also, at some point, we also meet the mayor of Gotham City named Mayor Borg, for some reason. Who is a, who uh, is a clone of, of Ed Koch. Ed Koch. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Really, like, looks like him and everything. Like, a complete mm-hmm. Ed Koch ripoff. And and uh, Harvey Dent, the newly elected district attorney, played by Billy D. Williams, for no other reason than just to have yeah. Billy D. Williams in the movie, because he does nothing. There's no reason I for him to be there I have three lines in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's, and, and, uh... Then we go back to Alexander Knox, and he's at his newspaper, and he meets uh, Vicky Vale, played by Kim Basinger, or Basinger, however the fuck you pronounce her name. And uh, right. and Vicky is in town to to do uh, reporting, to do research into the mysterious Batman, who has been sort of jumping around for the last month or so, terrorizing criminals, and you know, yeah. Knox. She's she's one of those report. She's one of those photographer reporters, yeah. who like <laughs> ha- is tired of doing model spreads, and she's been doing edgy stuff covering war. She's been like. A war photographer or something. Yeah, and she is uh, a character who, I mean, to me, her character and Knox's character could have been combined into a single character called Vicky Vale, and it would have just been a lot better and made a lot more sense because there's no reason for Knox to be here at all. He doesn't, he does absolutely nothing important other than just give Vicky someone to talk to who isn't either the Joker or Batman. Oh, by the way, <laughs> um, Vicky Vale is 
pointless. She is oh, yeah. a pointless, awful character. But she's if, she's if in the right movie. If you're looking for female empowerment, <laughs> wow. She's in the right movie, like though, to... because there's I don't think there's a character with a point in the entire movie. <laughs> it's just... Uh... I would like to point out in this Knox scene where they meet, and he's yeah. like, I got tickets to the fundraiser at... Uh, at uh, Bruce Wayne's Wayne uh, mansion, and she doesn't know this ace reporter has no idea who Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne is. You know, multi-millionaire, but I guess billionaire Bruce Wayne. Yeah. No idea. Well, Who's that, Bruce Wayne. That brings up an interesting, an interesting phenomenon in this movie because well, they 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 go to this big charity ball at, at Wayne Manor, right. right? And there's all mm-hmm. these people. They're all of sort of the the creme de la creme of Gotham City are there, and they're having like. And by the way, I counted two waiters. Yes, Alfred and another guy. <laughs> Alfred That's and it. some guy. Which is more than Bruce usually has, to be fair. In the comics, it's and like Alfred. Bruce and Alfred all by themselves in this vast mansion. And yeah. There's never any and staff. The fundraiser, is it to help Gotham's orphans? No. Is it to help the homeless? No. Is it to raise money for a food bank? No. Nope. It's to raise money for a parade. Yeah, for a festival that is to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the city. Again, it's one of the. It's another one of those things. Like It's just sort of background noise. Like yeah. the, the movie, it doesn't really... Okay, Gotham City having a 200th anniversary festival the, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't wind up being important the movie doesn't really care about it none of the characters seem particularly worried about it except for one or two lines of dialogue kind of here and there yeah. it's just background noise and it means nothing like so much exactly. of what is in this movie um, so they're at this big charity ball and Knox is doing his reporter thing like you know bothering the various luminaries there and he, her yeah. she, he and, and Vicky Vale are looking for Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale yeah. actually okay. Vicky Vale actually runs into Bruce Wayne. And this is the first time we see Bruce Wayne, the nominal lead character in the movie, the, the titular mm-hmm. character. Um, and she has no idea who he is. She's looking, she she just sort of runs into him, and of course, played by Michael Keaton, who, God love him, does the best that he can mm-hmm. with, with, with nothing, with absolutely no. nothing to work with. Uh, but he does the best that he can to invest some kind of personality and character into this guy. And uh, she has no idea who Bruce Wayne is. And Bruce doesn't tell her who he is for some reason, because because he's just a psycho no. creep. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, so, but they run into each other again. Like a few minutes later, they're still sort of knocking around the house. They, they're in the armory, they, they, Knox and her. Yeah, her yeah. and Knox are wandering around Wayne Manor. And they run into Bruce Wayne again. He's kind of walking down the hall and see. he's like, oh, who are these strangers wandering through now, a room here, in my house? Here is another problem I have. Knox, yes. who is a reporter for the local newspaper who is in the home of the richest person in Gotham City. Yep. He is Gotham royalty. Has no, no idea. idea what he looks like. Yep. But and that, so, Well, that's the interesting phenomenon I referenced a minute ago. It's, and I think it just goes down to the fact that this movie just was, there was just the minimum amount of thought put into this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, Bruce Wayne is simultaneously the guy with the biggest house in town who holds charity balls with every mm-hmm. important person from Gotham City coming to them. Yeah. And yet he is also someone who nobody seems to know. Right. And, I mean, it's it's a really weird uh, contradiction there. And I think it's just, I think like most of the problems in this movie, it's just down to sloppy, lazy screenwriting. Nobody, right. no, nobody gave enough of a shit to make that make sense. And uh, by the way, the charity ball thing gets reused in 
the next Batman oh, movie. Oh, God. And I think the one after that. It's the only, and yeah. And then the one after that. It's like the only set piece they can ever think of. It's like, yeah. well, what are we going to do for the first act? Ah, oh, fucking charity ball. I don't know. Well, what do rich people do? Oh, they have charity ball. They, that, oh, okay. We'll do that. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> rich people are always holding charity balls. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, during all this charity ball thing, see, remember when I said this wasn't going to take very long? That was funny, wasn't it? Um, uh, we, <laughs> there's a lot of incident. There's a great, there's a great film critic observation to make. This film is packed with incident. Uh, not, you mean shitty writing? Not, not necessarily story or or you know meaningful incident. Nothing happens that's terribly important, but a lot of shit does sort of just happen. Um, anyway. See, I didn't want to go. I didn't go to one of your hoity-toity critic schools. Sorry. I just learned the old. <laughs> Fashion way you didn't, in the sewers. You in didn't the, go in the back alley. You didn't go to a small liberal arts college in West Virginia like I did to get a high class right. education. Uh, <laughs> no, so so anyway, Bruce Wayne finds out because Bruce Wayne has his whole house bugged and and with surveillance equipment. He overhears because that's not creepy. Because that's not creepy at all. Uh, he he overhears Commissioner Gordon talking to a cop about how there's some big shit going down tonight at Axis Chemicals because Harvey Dent, the crusading district attorney is getting is really breathing down the neck of uh carl grissom so yeah. so he grissom has sent jack napier to sort of clean out the, <laughs> oh, by the, uh, way. The, the 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 mob evidence at this axis chemical plant yeah here's the here's the deal it's a setup grissom yeah. is setting up jack napier because he knows he about couldn't him be more obvious that he's setting him up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm totally not going to kill you jack <laughs> i'm not gonna rat you out to the cops yes <laughs> Which he did. They have that scene. They have that scene where he says, you know, you are my number one guy. Uh, I love Jack, Jack Palance he's, so yeah, much. He's a great actor. And this was and this was like right around the time when he won his Oscar. He won Best Supporting yeah, Actor was. for City Slickers. And then mm-hmm. his reward was, hey, you want to be in Batman? <laughs> 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 I guess so. My grandkids seem to like it. I, I want an Oscar, believe it or not. Uh, you uh, know what's unfortunate is that he's Jack Palance, and he was probably the nicest man in the entire world, but he couldn't order ice cream without scaring the person that he was a... I would like <laughs> mocha almond fudge. Yes. And could you make it snappy? <laughs> I'm in a bit of a hurry. <laughs> I have to pick up my great-grandchildren from nursery school. <laughs> Yeah, I, I when I watched it, uh, when I when I watched it the other day to prepare for this, uh, my first thought was, "Wow, so Gotham's crime family is led by a vampire? <laughs> That's weird. That's just a weird random detail." Uh, but yeah, so he's setting, okay, so he's setting yeah, up, he's he, setting him, he's setting up yeah. Jack. So Jack and his goons are sort of you know breaking into the office at Axis Chemicals, with which is a front company for the mob, and they're trying to get ahead of the cops. But they've been ratted out, so the cops have arrived, led by Lieutenant Eckhart, who has been ordered by Grissom to kill Jack, to sort of... Yeah, in fact, Eckhart says, shoot to kill, right to the cops. Yeah. And in 89, that was unbelievable. Now, not so much. Yeah, now it's like, they probably do that anyway. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, so the cops are sort of swarming into Axis Chemicals and, and you know, Bruce Wayne heard about it, so Batman shows up. Now, they have the film hasn't definitively established no. that Bruce Wayne is Batman yet. Can but... I reinstate? Here's how... He didn't find out about it. Somehow, while Alfred is serving drinks and making sure no one <laughs> leaves rings on the gambling tables at this gala event, he also checks the video feed and goes up and informs Bruce, oh, uh, Commissioner Gordon was called 
called away, sir. And yes. Bruce doesn't spring into action and say, excuse me for a moment. He first has to give instructions about opening champagne and restocking <laughs> caviar and giving Knox a, what? A, a grant. A, a grant. A grant. And then he just casually strolls out. Now, he he is making sure that his secret identity is solid because he doesn't, he just doesn't say, excuse me for a moment and leave. He, he kind of takes his time. <laughs> yeah, so but everything sort of converges on Axis Chemical. So the cops are, the, the bad cops are there. The, I guess, good cops led by Commissioner Gordon are there. Mm-hmm. Jack Napier and his goons are there. And then Batman shows up eventually too. And it's because I guess it's been 10 pages in the script. So it's time for another action set piece. <laughs> uh which, which that's really what it feels like. Like all of the action scenes in this movie feel like, oh, it's been ten pages, time for some action. Uh, uh-huh. It's not driven by any sort of story at all. And uh, uh-huh. so, and 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 that's really they they have like I guess an action scene. They have an action yeah. scene. And or Batman pops out, punches some guys. Yeah, in the face. And, and people shoot at each other. Completely pointless. Yeah. There's very little establishment as to where people are related to each other. Like when yeah. you see people shooting, you don't really, you can't really tell what they're shooting at. You don't know what the stakes are. You don't know what the goal is. It's just random bullshit. And, and this is trope number 965 that I'm tired of, which is action sequences that take place in catwalks in factories. <laughs> With smoke and steam everywhere. With smoke and steam everywhere. It's a steam. That I think the common joke amongst critics is, oh, look, it's another steam factory yeah. where they make steam <laughs> exactly. and sparks. Apparently. Anyway, this all leads to the origin of the Joker. All right. Spoiler alert. Jack yeah. Napier turns into the Joker. Uh, and actually, that one little bit... That that one, like, maybe 30-second segment is a fairly decent dramatization of the Joker's origin from the comics. The, the... Well, of those two characters, yeah. too. Um, because this is the only, one of the few times where I actually saw Batman doing something that Batman does, which is try to save the life of evil people. <laughs> it's the only time he actually tries to save an enemy. Now, granted, um, just a minute before that, uh, Jack is about to shoot Commissioner Gordon from a catwalk. Batman comes in, knocks a gun out of his hand, uh, Napier gets the gun back and he turns around and Batman has vanished. Um, and then Batman allows Jack to shoot Eckhart. Yeah, to murder <laughs> Eckhart. And then he decides to act. Ah, shit. Then he I guess pops I should back up again. Yeah. Yeah, so he, they have a little tussle. Jack gets thrown over the railing. Uh, mm-hmm. And Batman does try to save him to cu- keep him from falling, but he loses his grip mm-hmm. and he falls into the the famous vat of chemicals that creates the Joker. Uh, right. You know, and we get a, the, the Joker's origin kind of has another step to it, where we see him a little bit later, like in a plastic surgeon's office, where his his face has been fixed. You know, and uh, um, you mean the overnight plastic yes, surgery the overnight output plastic... where he he doesn't have to heal for several weeks, exactly, before, so the swelling can go down, exactly. Um, and and the movie it, it's one of the area it's one of the instances where the marketing of this movie kind of didn't really do it any favors because the the, the reveal of the joker's face is sort of treated as a surprise but everybody yeah. seeing the movie knew what he looked like because it was all over exactly. the promotion it was all over the posters it was like everybody knew what jack nicholson as the joker looked like already so when he goes to visit carl grissom to get his revenge you know late one night and he steps out of the shadows and reveals his his white smiling face with green hair and red lips and his sort of you know fixed prosthetic grin uh, everybody already knows what he looks like, so it's not actually that big of a surprise. Uh, no. But they tried. They tried to make it a reveal. They tried to make it special. Oh, yeah. uh, the, oh the whole scene of him in the, 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 the shot of him coming out of the elevator and going down yeah. the stairs and all that stuff, that's a, great sh- that's a great scene. It's too bad that the marketing destroyed it. Yes. 
And, and, I mean, and, you know, Nicholson, Nicholson is the Joker does, like all the actors in this movie, Nicholson does the best he can with, mm-hmm. with just nothing. There's just nothing. It's, the Joker's not a, he, he's not a character. He's not, he's, he's just a, a, a delivery, a delivery system for shitty lines. Yeah. Uh, that Jack Nicholson usually manages to turn into something somewhat acceptable. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so the, you know, there's. There's the Joker and there's Batman, and this is the point where my memory starts to break down because even though I just oh, I even though I just it. watched this movie like yesterday, it just it's it's so oh Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne meet each other right oh, yeah they meet each other at the gala and then and they have then dinner they, they have dinner at Wayne Mansion they have to have the long table gag where there are two yes. people sitting on either end they get to know each other in which it really does appear that Bruce Wayne is actively trying to get her drunk yep. While and not drinking then, himself. No, while not drinking himself, because Batman does not drink. He and, murders people, but he doesn't drink. Yeah. He, he, they have sex on the first date. <laughs> Go, Batman. And she wakes up in the middle of the night to discover that Bruce Wayne sleeps up, hanging upside down. <laughs> like a bat. Like a bat. Like a Get bat. it, audience? He's the Batman. Oh, my God. And she still yeah. wants to see him for a second date. Why didn't they carry that on even further where when they have breakfast, he's eating a bowl full of mosquitoes and crickets. <laughs> if he thinks that he's that much of a freaking bat that he has to hang upside oh, down to sleep. Yes. Oh God! Oh. It's such. You're right. That like both both that uh, that that scene of Bruce hanging upside down and that long table scene. It purely they're just as gags and gags yeah. that they don't even bother to set up or explain in any way. It's just mm-hmm. like and there's a bunch of that in this movie. Uh, there's a really big one that comes right toward the end that is just it's just a, a gag that is there for no reason, makes no sense. It's just there because somebody thought it would be cute and they said, yeah, sure, fuck it, let's just do that. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, there's no reason why these two people on their first date would would ever even find themselves in that room at that table. You know, like it just it mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. There's no reason for it to happen. But somebody thought it would be a funny gag, so there you go. There it is. Right. Um, and then Bruce tries to give her the brush off the next morning. Oh yeah. Which I guess he's just such a great guy that she doesn't take the hint. You know, he's <laughs> like. She's like, "Hey, let's have lunch." And he's like, "Oh, I can't. I'm going out of town." "Oh, well, well let's 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 have dinner tomorrow." "Oh, no, I'm going to be out of town all week." Like he's trying everything he can to give this chick the brush mm-hmm. off, and she just will not. She's like, "Oh, but I really want to see you again. Well, maybe I'll call you. Maybe." I mean, it's like, "Lady, he's uh, okay. I know he's rich and all, but he's like the biggest psycho weirdo you in the world. Yeah, you can't well, possibly still be interested in him." You slept with him on the first date after knowing him for 6 hours. I know he's rich and all, but he's probably been down this road before yeah. with other women that wanted him. Ugh. And what he did wasn't exactly totally okay i mean like you say Mm -mm. she gets so drunk that she can't even walk up the stairs by herself and he (laughs) and he's totally fine and they and and apparently thankfully this was off screen but presumably there came a moment where bruce wayne said wow this girl is really drunk should i have sex with her yeah yeah Yeah, why not yeah i'm batman (laughs) (laughs) um yeah Uh, so and then now yeah go the next scene is the um 
uh, the Joker now is going to take over. Oh, all that's the yes, the the mob, the the where they're like the the untouchable scene where everybody's around the yeah. table, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decides, you know, he's put on flesh-colored makeup for no apparent reason at all whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So he has this rictus grin, and he's telling all the mob bosses, "Everybody's going to report to me because Grissom is is gone." Another pointless lie. Yeah. And one guy says, "I want to leave," and he says, "Okay, let's shake hands." And oh, we know what's going to happen now because he's the Joker. <laughs> He shakes hands with him, and then the guy gets electrocuted, and he falls back down in his chair, this burnt husk of a person. (laughs) Which everybody else around the table just stands around and watches, by the way. There's no reaction to this from the other people at the table at all. No one's, like, throwing up or screaming or (laughs) Or anything like that. Looking like, oh, (laughs) shit, he's burning a guy to death in front of us. That's a little weird. And and then all of Joker's goons come out and with machine guns and says, okay, you guys, you guys, you guys are going to report to me, and he makes them all leave. And then what may be my favorite Joker scene in the film happens, where he, he is talking to the dead body. Yeah. I agree. That's... The dead body convinces him to kill the rest of the, the mob guys. <laughs> that's that's my favorite. That's probably my favorite scene period in the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, because it, it unlike most of the rest of the movie, it does actually have, it's it's dark, but it's dark in a witty way. It has kind of a twisted sense of humor about it. The Joker seems actually for that brief shining moment, like he might actually be kind of an interesting person. Like his, mm-hmm. his madness kind of takes on an intriguing uh, dimension where, and, and yeah. And it's just, and you know, Nicholson just does a really good job. And it's just, it's a really funny scene. I always laugh at the part, like at the end when he's walking away, still muttering, I'm glad you're dead. Like yeah, he's just exactly. so amused by his own joke. You know, I'm <laughs> glad you're dead. You know. <laughs> Um, so now we cut to back to the uh, newspaper because, boy, we can't get enough of that newsroom set Ugh. in which Vicki Vale has suddenly decided she's not so much interested in finding out about Batman. She wants to find out about Bruce Wayne. And so she asks Knox to go get Bruce Wayne's file. And there is literally, OK, again, I'm going to push this point. Bruce Wayne, richest man in Gotham, has no file. Yep. There's nothing in it. It is a flat file with maybe a piece of paper in it that says, fuck if we know. And that's all that's in it. <laughs> Exactly. And this version of Bruce, it should be said, is not established as being particularly reclusive or mysterious. I mean, the no. guy the guy holds charity fundraisers at his house. He's not like, you yeah. know, the mysterious old hermit, you know, who lives up on the hill who has a lot of money that nobody, you know, he like which which he probably would have been if Tim Burton had had more creative control for this because <laughs> that's like Tim Burton's favorite character, the weird old rich guy who lives up on the hill. Uh, right, exactly. But yeah, so it, it is it's just so weird that nobody in this town seems to have any idea of anything about Bruce Wayne. So, yeah, and and the other thing is is that she literally does drop all interest in finding out who Batman is from this point on. Yep. She is only interested in Bruce Wayne. Why? Because Alfred, when she's leaving Wayne Manor after uh, Bruce tells her that he has plans and he's leaving, um, Alfred um, cockbox. I I don't know. He's he's not a good wingman. Not at all. And she's like, oh well, I'll see Bruce when he gets back. And and Alfred's like, I don't think he has plans. You dumb broad. He's <laughs> brushing you off or something. Bye. <laughs> Damn, Alfred. So, so this, of course, means that she's now got to stalk Bruce Wayne yep. around the city. And she follows him into Crime Alley, and she sees him put two roses down on the sidewalk. And 
she's now even more interested because apparently women <laughs> love jerks who, who lie to them but then do things that are mysterious and weird and she's just she's just following him around and I think this cuts to for whatever reason the mob bosses had to go to city hall yep. to announce that they were signing their businesses over to yeah. Grissom which I, this is again? Are they are they gangsters or are they businessmen? Which is it? Mobsters tend to make their they don't like make a legal statement. They don't sit down and say, yeah. "Okay, the Fratellis are taking over <laughs> the Gimbani's family." We're uh, officially in charge now. We just signed the paperwork. That's right. Come on down to Rivoletti's for all of your <laughs> blackmail needs. Yeah. You need a hooker. They, it's like, it's it is it's literally like Al Capone called a press conference to announce that he controls the Chicago outfit now. <laughs> You know, like just in case all, to all my friends in the media, I'm running the show around here now. So you buy mm-hmm. the lottery, the hookers, <laughs> the drugs, the racketeer. It's all me. <laughs> so during this announcement, this is when Joker makes his move again with all of his henchmen dressed as mimes. Yeah. And he kills people he could easily have killed before, but didn't for some okay, reason. OK, I'm I'm going to say this right now. He, he shows up and he has this long quill pen. Right. And he throws the pen at the biggest target, which is the biggest, fattest mob guy. <laughs> and it it sticks in his neck, maybe half an inch. Maybe it went in half an inch into his neck. But that somehow killed him, I guess. I was like, I literally wrote, oh no, a minor stab wound, and dies. Second of all, there are cops literally on the steps of City Hall behind these people who do nothing. Yep. Murder is taking place, at least assault, and they do nothing at all. They just kind of stand around and they're like, oh look, mimes are killing people. (laughs) What are we supposed to do about it? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay, so I think somewhere the, between the there, pen is even, mightier than the sword, by the way. Yeah, there's even more of Vicky Vale going. I want to know more about this Bruce Wayne guy, and Knox is like, I I want to date you, <laughs> which is, by the way, his big thing is yeah. that he wants to date her this entire time. And then we go to um, back to the Joker, where he's where he's cutting out pictures that uh, apparently they were taking during this hit, because that's what you do is you take pictures yeah. of your crimes. No real reason why this was done, but it was done. Yeah, no reason why he's taking pictures of bystanders or anything like that. And one of the pictures happens to be Vicky Vale, and he uh, falls in love with her. Or something? He's yes. infatuated by her? At the sight of her in not that great of a picture. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Bob, and, and here's the thing, okay? This is where I knew no one was paying attention to the script. Bob says something along the lines of, oh, that's Vicki Vale. Uh, she's dating Bruce Wayne. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Bruce Wayne and Vicki Vale had one date at his house. Yeah. And that was like a day ago. (laughs) How does he know this? How does Bob know these things? (laughs) But we're supposed to just go, oh yeah, because we know it, Bob knows it. Exactly. That's the attitude that this entire (laughs) script has. It's, well, the audience knows, so let's just assume everybody else knows too. Mm -hmm. There's no, yeah, it's one of, I keep saying this, but it's it's one of the worst written, like, major Hollywood (laughs) films I've ever seen. There's just, you know, But now Joker's infatuated with Vicky Vale because the script says so. Yes. Because you have to and, set up for that next action set piece. Oh, yeah. He he needs to lure her to the uh, most poorly designed art um, art museum ever. Slash restaurant. 
Yeah, where they have um, classic works of art hanging in stairwells. <laughs> you know, the blue boy is hanging in a stairwell. You don't hang pictures in a stairwell. You don't want people to stop in a stairwell to look at art. And also hung not not only in strange places, but within mere feet of where people are eating. And mixed together. <laughs> it was like... This is like a, a, an art museum from a Scooby-Doo cartoon. <laughs> and it's like, oh, let, let's put the uh, French Impressionists mixed up with the Jackson Pollocks, and we'll just, yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll just hang it any old place. Museums aren't so, organized, are they? Exactly. So she gets lured to this place, and she calls Bruce Wayne, and she leaves a message saying, oh, hey, Bruce, I'll meet you at the, at the museum. I don't know how she, I guess they sent her a message or something like that. And um, Alfred tells Bruce, oh, Vicky Vale says, sorry, she's going to be late to the museum. And Bruce is like, oh, okay. And then he goes, oh, wait, I didn't say I was going to meet her at the museum. I guess I better get dressed up as Batman and take the Batmobile out there over what could just be a mistake yeah. on her part. <laughs> yep. Better assume she's in danger. You know what Bruce was thinking? He was Because he, he actually did. He checked his watch. He's, he, and he thought, wow, it's been about 20 minutes since there was any Batman stuff in this movie. <laughs> I better just oh, yeah. get ready and go, just in case I can do something actiony. And by the way, it takes so Vicky Vale gets there. Um, she gets a, a she's literally they they do a dissolve where she's sitting at the restaurant that's in the museum. Yep. And then it cuts away and 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 it shows that she's been there for a little while. And um, she gets a package, and inside the package is a gas mask. And then gas starts being pumped into the museum. Everybody dies except for Vicky Vale. And then the Joker shows up doing Joker stuff. Hey, I do stuff because I'm crazy yep. or something. I want to be an artist with you or yeah. something. Oh, listen to this awesome Prince music. Because when I think of Batman, I think of Prince the crazy, every time. The crazy thing about it is the way they work the Prince songs onto the soundtrack you, uh. you you have to assume that the Joker is a huge Prince fan. <laughs> because it's diegetic music. The Joker plays Prince songs in this movie. Why is the Joker like a big fan of Prince? That okay. I don't know. This, I don't, this middle-aged like, version of the this middle-aged version of the Joker, who is a career criminal, is a huge yeah. Prince fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Apparently, it takes Batman a good long time to rush into action to to get to the museum. Because not only is she sitting there and waiting for a long time, but then everybody dies. <laughs> Everybody's dead. And he doesn't come bursting through the skylight until uh, the Joker... Uh, oh, she splashes water in his face yeah. and washes off. Because once again, he's wearing the flesh makeup for no reason. For no reason. reason. And then he comes smashing through the skylight, and he lands between uh, Joker and her, and he takes out this gadget, which opens up and then shoots things across, and I'm I'm literally sitting there going, why is no one attacking him? <laughs> he, they're literally giving him time to do his gadget thing, and they're all like, oh, look at that, that thing opened, and the things went across. I wonder what he's going to do with that. Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> Bye, Batman. There he goes. <laughs> Thanks for... St Good luck storming the castle. <laughs> uh, and then we have Batman doing things that I've always imagined Batman doing, which is an extended scene of him... 
running away from thugs. <laughs> we can't, Number one, can't fight the bad guys. We have to run away from them. This is the first time that we see the Batmobile, and we're like, wow, that's that's really cool. A little long. It probably has problems cornering, but But, okay, but he deals pretty, with it. Yeah, he deals with it. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Uh, it's too bad that it has trouble outrunning um, 1977 um, <laughs> Detroit pieces of shit that have been painted uh, purple, purple and green, but you know. Yeah. They made good cars back in the 70s. Those GMC Pacers, boy, you can't, you know, they're, they're hard to outrun. They've got horsepower. Especially, They've yeah, got a horsepower. turbine engine has got nothing on that flat six. <laughs> a turbine engine with fire <laughs> flying out of the back of it. Yeah. Yep. So uh, they run away, and then a, dumped, uh, a, a bulldozer blocks their path, and if they jump out of the car, and then the thugs show up, and he's still running from them, and then they go up on a thing, and stuff happens. <laughs> Oh no, he goes up on onto the thing and he comes back down and he fights a couple of guys, but then they get the drop on. You know, there's a lot of times where Batman gets knocked unconscious. Yeah, yeah, for no real reason. And and this is also the the the, the point where one of my, one of my favorite fight scenes in the movie happens because it is so utterly pointless. Um mm-hmm. Batman knocks out the thugs that that, you know, attack him, and then this other dude just completely randomly, but obviously still a member of the Joker's gang, does like a somersault over a fence and lands in the yeah. alley, pulls out fucking mm-hmm. samurai swords, and is like doing all this ninja shit, like, yeah! yeah. Kick, and and, and I, I was wondering, where did he come from? Did it, the Joker it, place him there and say, okay, one of these days, <laughs> Batman will be in this alley. Yeah. You just have to live here it's, until he shows up. It's completely random, completely unjustified. There's no work done to set it up at all. It is just, mm-hmm. uh, hey, we should have another Batman fight. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if he fought like a guy with swords or something okay yeah, fuck cool. it let's just do it and that's literally what happens there is no reason for this fight to exist other than one of the people involved in the production of this film said let's just have this fight fuck it we'll right. have it here and it's not even that good of a fight it's no. really poorly choreographed batman i think and, does two moves in the whole thing it's just terrible and this is when i noticed i noticed something odd is that when he punches people or when people hit stuff there is a weird strobe flash whenever it happens have you i yeah. noticed this when i watched the film it's like when he punches him there's a sudden flash of light and i'm like is that to make it more dynamic is there supposed to be like a jump cut here <laughs> why are we having these flashes all of a it's, sudden it's am to, i it's, having a stroke <laughs> what's happening it's to amplify his power his punching power is that what it is boom oh, okay. yeah man uh, he's a hard hitter so they so they finally figure out they have guns and one of them shoots him <laughs> and he falls down again and then there's when we find out that he's wearing body armor and someone lifts up his mask but not enough so that they can see but enough so that Vicky Vale, who is 50 stories up on a building with her with her <laughs> camera, manages to snap a picture under the cowl. Yes. That's a good flash um, she has on that camera. Yeah. It's a really good flash. Then he jumps back up, gets her back in the Batmobile, and then takes her all the way back to the Batcave. Which is another trope that reappears in Batman movies. Yeah. Batman, ta- and... Batman saves his girlfriend and takes her back to the Batcave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're overlooking the whole the whole thing is that uh, Joker's been poisoning people. Oh yeah, remember that? that? Yeah, that, <laughs> that integral part With of Smilex, the plot. Yeah. where he's where he's poisoned cosmetics for because um, <laughs> he's crazy. I guess it's because yeah, maybe. And people are using products and and they die. I think like seventeen people have died. So Batman takes Vicky Vale all the way back to the Batcave. And she gets out, and she looks up, and she sees fruit bats hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) 
I only mention fruit bats because I'm a stickler for science, and there's no reason why Madagascar <laughs> fruit bats should be anywhere near Gotham City. Did you notice also, in addition to the bats, the the, the many dozens of bats that are free to go where they yeah, will fly in the around? Cave, there, there's also yeah, a random bat just in a cage there's hanging one there. Bat in a cage. I, my note says, "Why is that bat in a cage? Was he bad? Is he in bat jail? He's in bat jail. Stay here until you've thought about what you've done." Yeah. <laughs> When, I, so when he, you've proven you can be trusted around yeah. the other bats, I'll let you go. So he uh, gives Vicky a folder with papers in it, because there are no computers now. <laughs> and he's like, I figured out what the combination of the Joker's Smilex drug is. You use it in combinations, people die. <laughs> and she's like, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, and now I'm going to uh, allude to the fact that I may rape you yes. now. <laughs> I'm not, now I'm going to roofie you and go through your bra <laughs> like the pimp in the Dirty Harry movie. And, and the way it's shot, he goes, no, there's one more thing. And he lifts his cape up. And then we cut to bats flying against a black background. And then we dissolve into Vicky Vale in her apartment, laying flat down on the bed with her skirt hiked up. Yep. And I'm like, what just happened, Batman? <laughs> so wait, not only does he take advantage of drunk women, does he flat, <laughs> does he straight up roofie and rape women? <laughs> No, our, no, our no hero, he just wanted. He just wanted the. He just wanted the photos that Vicky had taken. She put the film yes. in her bra. Yep. And that's the only because that's the first thing she checks when she wakes up back at home, <laughs> disheveled. Yeah, yes. She's not like, oh, am I? Oh, good. The the film, the most important thing about me. Yes. The film is gone. And Darn of, it. And and Batman, our hero, instead of saying, okay, look, Vicky, <laughs> I couldn't help but notice back during that fight that you took a picture that may have my face in it. It would really fuck my shit up if people found out who I was. <laughs> Could you maybe just give me that film, please? It would be you'd be doing yeah. me a huge solid. I am kind of. Saving the city by telling them what poisons the Joker is using. Can I just maybe have that film? Nope. He says, I tell you what I'll do. I'll drug her, take the film, and drop her off at her apartment where she will have no idea what happened since the last thing she remembers. Not that it matters very much because apparently no one in the city knows who I am or what I look like. <laughs> I know. And if She'll you put it the... on the front page, Bruce Wayne is Batman, people would go, huh? Who? <laughs> That's a... <laughs> The underline would be, no one knows who Bruce Wayne is. <laughs> Some guy named Bruce Wayne revealed to be Batman. Right. So now we get this thing where Alfred is like, oh, I really like this girl based on no information. She seems really nice. Here's an idea. Why don't you tell that nice reporter the truth that you're Batman? That seems like a good idea, Alfred. Yeah. Why Al not? Alfred's role in this film is basically, one, to be present because Alfred is expected to be in a Batman film, and two, mm -hmm. to pointlessly meddle in Bruce's personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite pointlessly, I wrote down here, Alfred is a massive security risk. Yes, oh my god. How would he, how does he still have a job? We'll cover, we'll cover that, that comes yeah. up in a bit. Oh my god, so yes. So, he, so... Rather than go, Alfred, you're insane. She is a reporter that works for a newspaper. Last I heard, she's trying to find out who Batman is, and you want me to go to her and tell her who I am. Because we had one date, and unless you didn't notice, I was trying to get rid of her. And you, you're you screwing this up. But you know yeah. what? Yeah, sure. I'll go to her apartment. Um, I won't let her know how I know where she lives, <laughs> but I'll just show up there, and I'll tell her. 
and uh, and I'll tell her in the most violent and intimidating way possible. Yeah, first he invalidates her feelings and tells her to shut up. <laughs> and he he shoves her down and looms over her, which apparently this... make which which strangely renders her sympathetic to him. That's odd. Yeah. But then he says, and this may be also one of the one of the things that I just found hilarious. He goes, "You know how Normal people get up and have breakfast and go to jobs, and she says no. I went really, Vicky Vale. You don't know that normal people get up, have breakfast, and go to jobs. Really, you don't know that? She's a photographer, Jason. Photography's not a uh, job. Yeah, but before he can tell her that he's Batman. Joker shows up for no defined reason that I can think of. Just to show up because he's the Joker, right? He just wants to hang with her. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> then we get to what may be the most uncomfortable, poorly written scenes in the film. Oh, yeah. Which is we see Bruce Wayne confront the Joker. And neither one of them seem to be in any kind of character anymore. I, I don't know if the, if Jack knew this scene was going to happen or if it was even scripted. It's basically Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson just fucking around on the set for like five minutes. Yeah, it, it, it goes nowhere. There's no point to it. Yeah, except that he tricks the Joker into shooting him. Which was apparently and... his plan. Yeah, because he puts a metal tray under his shirt, and it's a good thing Joker doesn't love a headshot, because that would have screwed up his plans really good. But it's important because he has to say a specific line because of plot reasons, which is, uh, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Which is super important, because we're going to find out in a flashback in a second just how important that line is. And is another another example of, of the, the incredibly lazy screenwriting, because the, jo- mm-hmm. the Joker says that line, and then Bruce kind of looks at him like, what? And the Joker says, <laughs> the Joker says, oh, well, I always ask that of all my prey. We have I never heard him say done that. done it. <laughs> we have, so he says, I always ask that of all my prey. He has never said that once. We're like halfway mm-hmm. through the movie. We've seen the Joker kill a couple of people. He has never said that. Oh, and by the by, um, you'd, you'd think that Jack Napier would realize that he killed his parents, right? That he killed Bruce Wayne's parents. You... He's like, oh yeah, I killed I killed the Waynes when I was young, didn't I? Because he knows who I Bruce Wayne know. is. He knows who yeah. Bruce Wayne is in this scene. When, when, when Vicky says Bruce and Joker kind of looks at him and goes, oh, Bruce Wayne? He knows who he is. Oh, that sucks. The only person that knows who Bruce Wayne is in Gotham City and it's the Joker? <laughs> 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 yeah. So then the Joker leaves uh, Once again, never really stating why he was there I guess he was upset that uh, she left the museum or something Yeah, the the apparent murder of Bruce Wayne also goes absolutely nowhere Well, that's because she turns around and Bruce Wayne is gone And she's like, oh well, I guess I'll open this box that the psychopath left for me <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the, apparently the Joker doesn't feel the need to kill anybody, or to, to kill anybody, to tell anybody that he just murdered yeah. Bruce Wayne. No, like, no, it's just, why? Yeah, no big deal. Just murdered Bruce Wayne. <laughs> no big one. Mm-hmm. So then he, uh, then Batman decides that he's going to take the fight to the Joker. And the way he's going to do it is he's going to drive into the chemical plant where he's supposedly held up, where the Joker's base is. Um, never get out of the Batmobile. And just bomb um, it. <laughs> bomb it. Just completely blow it up. So he commits an act of terrorism against the Joker. He commits an act of mass murder. I have no idea how many people were in that plant when he decides to blow the crap out of it, but he blows the crap out of it. There are no survivors from that. 
Or if there are, they, they're not going to be happy. They're going to have <laughs> third-degree burns over 90% yeah. of their body for the rest of their lives. But, uh-oh, the Joker got away because he had a helicopter. A Joker helicopter. Yeah. So all that murder was for not Batman. <laughs> Poor planning on your part, I guess. There's more murder in your future, Batman. So then the Joker goes on TV, and he's like, Hey, you remember me? I'm the psychopath that poisoned all those people. Uh, I'm going to be giving away free money at a parade tonight at midnight. Why don't you all show up? Because that's a good idea, right? <laughs> 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 and everybody shows up. And everyone shows up, except for the cops. You know, they I guess they don't watch TV. They don't want to catch the guy who poisoned a lot of people and nah. said he did on TV. He did a Smilex commercial <laughs> where he showed the dead people that he had killed. <laughs> you're not but supposed no, they to can't remember be that. And maybe you're thinking, oh, well, it's probably a very low-key kind of parade thing. No, nope. giant floats. Balloons. Um Balloons, Prince music, giant balloons, and him throwing millions of dollars out into the crowd. And, of course, the crowd eats it up, and they come running out to grab up the money. And at this point, I wrote, Gotham citizens are worthless. (laughs) They deserve the death that's coming to them. It it, it is. It's like exactly the opposite of the final message of the Dark Knight, where the people actually actually rise up and sort of make the moral choice and stand against the Joker. Well, in this movie, nope, nope, it's completely the opposite. It's money! (laughs) It's it's the mo- one of the most cynical things I've ever... There's not even a hint that anybody in the city has any no. problem with this at all. You know, that, that the, the antiperspirant that the Joker poisoned killed my grandma, but look, money! money. <laughs> 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 and so we show Vicki Vale and, and uh, uh, Robert Wall, they're covering it, right? Not calling the cops. They're just covering it like it's any other event. Like journalists would and, do. And Vicky Vale realizes that um, the balloons are filling up with Smilex gas and they're going to explode and kill everyone. And she screams out loud, they're going to kill everyone. And what does our heroic Vicky Vale do? She runs into the car and rolls up the window and says, we need to leave. Now, at this point, Robert Wall goes, no, I'm going to stop him. And he does something heroic. He goes to the back of his car, grabs a baseball bat that he has there for whatever reason, and goes and tries to stop everybody. That's heroic. What does Vicki Vale do? She tries to drive away, leaving leaving her fellow reporter and supposed friend there. Yep. But it gets better. She then hits him with the car, and he's on the hood, looking at her through the windshield. She continues to drive... And then turns a corner and slams on the brake, throwing him into trash, knocking him unconscious. And I'm like, there's Vicky Vale. Save yourself, Vicky. That's the most important thing. Oh, and by the way, when your friend is on the hood, stop. That's just, you know, basic things. So, where's Batman? Batman should be stopping this. Batman should know that this is going to be horrible. Batman does show up. Um, in his, and in he his shows super up, cool plane. Yeah, in his Batwing, um, which I wrote, Batwing has convenient thing on Batwing that is convenient. Yep. In other words, there is, an, uh, there is a like grapple, snippy, uh, grappling hook thing on the front of his Batwing, and he flies down and he grabs the strings on the balloons. And uh, that grabs onto him, and then he flies away, and then he lets the balloons drift off Pres- to explode in, in the upper atmosphere <laughs> and poison Metropolis, as near as I can tell. Fuck you, Superman! But the only reason that that grappling hook would exist on the Batwing would be in case someone decides to gas attack 
Gotham City with giant balloons. There's no other reason for it to be there. And you know, uh, not only that, but it's incredibly fortuitous that Batman just happened to choose to fly the plane into town tonight instead of taking the Batmobile. Yeah, because exactly. he would have been up shit creek if he had driven in on the Batmobile. Unless maybe maybe that's why it took him so long to get there. Maybe he he came into town in the Batmobile. He saw the balloons and he was like, "Oh shit, I've got something for this." And he just turned Actually, around and he I went think, back to the Batcave. I think he just stood there in the Batcave and he looked at the Batmobile and he looked at the Batwing and then he looked down at the Batboat and he's like, "Huh, what toy do we need to sell right now?" Oh, the Batwing. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with the Batwing. It's just, oh, but it's ground. It's on the ground. And that that took 20 minutes. <laughs> he was doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo. He was doing my yeah. mother told me. But better yet, um, he then swings back around and uh, then fires missiles and shoots guns and kills even more henchmen. Yep. And tries which to kill I wrote, the Joker. Yeah. Just because a gun is on a vehicle, it's still a gun, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay because... Uh, <laughs> The Joker pulls out an obscenely comical long-barreled rifle. Not a rifle, a handgun. Oh, uh, yeah. Literally like a, a Colt forty-five, but with a really long barrel. And um, I wrote comic handgun for the win, because with one shot of this handgun, <laughs> he knocks the Batwing out of the sky, yep. and it crashes at the foot of Gotham Cathedral. Which, by the way, there is only one cathedral in Gotham City. Probably why it has so many problems. Yeah. Because everyone says, it's at Gotham Cathedral. No one ever says, which one? Is it the Presbyterian? Unitarian? Uh, uh, the Mormon? Which one is it? The cath- you no know, the cathedral. Yeah, exactly. You know, the ancient Gothic cathedral that was built here in America, but looks like one that was that's supposed <laughs> to be in Europe? <laughs> And that, and that again, that apparently nobody gives a shit about because yeah. it's it's apparently closed. <laughs> like it's just. Like <laughs> so, um, Vicky Vale runs up to the wreckage to see if Batman's okay, but he's not in the cockpit. Oh no! But then Joker shows up with his comically large gun, and he says, "I'm taking you because of reasons. Come on, let's go into the cathedral. We'll climb all the way up to the top of it because um, of reasons. Because of reasons." <laughs> And then we cut back to the Batwing, and somehow Batman is under wreckage outside of the Batwing. Hey, he tried. And I'm like, how did he get there? He tried to bail out. It just didn't happen. <laughs> didn't make it. It's okay. So, so now we get, I guess, our tribute to Vertigo. Oh God! Where they're running up this wooden staircase, which for what seems like forever. I was gonna say, it, it takes like four <laughs> hours. We see every step. And at this point. There have been explosions, there's been a Batwing shooting missiles and guns and gas attacks and people trampling each other to get money, and Gotham City's response are four cop cars. (laughs) Plus the commissioner himself. Plus the commissioner himself. But before they can get in there, the Joker uses his squirting acid flower and sends one of the bells down and it knocks out the stairwell, almost hitting Batman, and then it blocks the doorway. To what I think is maybe, I think, one of the funniest things in the movie. Um, Commissioner Gordon <laughs> trying to push a several thousand ton bell by himself out of the way of the doorway. While other police uniforms stand there staring at him, wondering how he became commissioner. And he turns around and he goes, nope, come on. 
and then they just walk off. <laughs> they give and I'm up. like, where are they going? Oh no, he says, oh point. Uh, this is, I know how we'll catch him. Point the spotlights at the top of the the, the cathedral. What's that going to do, Commissioner? I don't know. This is all I know. <laughs> Pointing spotlights at things. We don't have police helicopters. And talking through bullhorns. Yeah, Commissioner, you know they can't hear you up at the top of that cathedral, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, um, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Um, all Vicky has done throughout this entire movie is scream. Yep. She screams and screams and screams some more. Occasionally and she will yelp. Yeah, she might yelp, but usually it's scream. Uh, Joker and her get up to the very top. Batman finally gets up to the very top. And now we hit what may be the biggest plot hole in this movie. We only see the Joker and her go into the cathedral <laughs> and go up the stairs. Batman follows them. The bell goes down, blocks the doorway. But somehow, excuse me, <coughs> once Batman gets up there, there are henchmen <laughs> that attack that came out of Joker's pocket. <laughs> I have no idea where these henchmen came from, but Batman's got to fight them. And murder them. And murder them. Yes, that is true. This is, he flat out murders one dude. Yep. Throws him down the, the, the stairwell to his doom. <laughs> and now we finally have the fight between Batman and and the Joker. Or, as I like to call it, Batman beating up someone who doesn't know how to fight. <laughs> the great hero. The, the greatest comic book superhero probably ever uh, in, yeah. in terms of popularity. And his, his big climax is to beat up an old man who can't fight. <laughs> yeah. And oh, by the way, this also has one of uh, my favorite examples of Vicky screaming. At one point, the Joker uh, says, oh, it makes you don't love me. It makes me want to kill myself for some bullshit. <laughs> And he takes out a gun and he points it at his head and he clicks it and a little flag comes out that says bang. And she literally screams as if it's the scariest thing she has ever seen. <laughs> it doesn't even make a noise. It makes a noise like this. Click, click. Yeah. Even a three-year-old would go, uh, that's stupid. <laughs> Why? But no, she has to scream at the top of her lungs. Then for no apparent reason, after beating him up, um, no, it's after he beats up the thugs. Yeah. Vicky decides that the only way that she can help out is to uh, start playing along with the Joker to get him all distracted, right? So she starts kissing his coat sleeve. Yeah, and talking kind of sweet and dirty to him. Yeah, and then... Out of nowhere. Simulate going down on him. Yeah. So that Batman can punch him in the face. <laughs> to be, now, to be fair, this particular version of Batman does not seem terribly competent. So maybe she thought... <laughs> he probably needs that. Maybe she thought he does need a little help. Maybe I'll help him out. I'll do him a solid, you know, and, and distract the Joker for him. Yeah, but I mean, I hope he doesn't get any ideas because when he gets Robin, he's going, okay, Robin, if you ever get captured by the Joker or by anybody, this is what I want you to do so I can sneak up on him and punch him in the face. You need to start kissing him, and then you need to simulate a blowjob. Do you think you can do that? Gosh, Batman, I'm uncomfortable. Look, you're wearing short shorts. <laughs> you have no parents and you have nowhere else to go. Holy fellatio. So then, yeah, then we get to the scene where he's just pu punching him through walls and, you know, all this other stuff. And somehow the Joker, I can't even remember how he does it. He gets the upper hand and everyone gets thrown off the roof of the church. They and do the they, hanging on. Joker does the you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses on, would you gag? Right. Which right. Batman answers by punching him off the roof. <laughs> 
But Joker is... Oh, that's right. But Joker is... He's hanging on somehow, so he pulls Batman and Vicky, like, off the roof with him. Somehow. Somehow. And he's standing (laughs) on a ledge, and Batman and Vicky are, like, kind of hanging on at the edge of the ledge, dangling Mm -hmm. off the side of the building. And then Joker calls Mm -hmm. in his helicopter, and that's when Batman murders him at the end of the movie. (laughs) Well, it was a half murder. It was a half murder. He takes out his bolo, and he kind of, like... Uh, attaches the Joker to a gargoyle. And if the Joker would just had just let go of the ladder, he would have just fallen and hang be hanging from the gargoyle. Right. But because <laughs> this is an 80s movie and villains have to, have to, have to die at the end, preferably by go. falling. Yeah, preferably by falling. Um, he doesn't let go and then he lifts... Okay, this would have split him in half. <laughs> oh my he God. lifts up a, like a 900-pound gargoyle is <laughs> attached to his leg and he's still holding on to the ladder and then he falls to his doom. Yep. And this is one of the, the, those tropes that I'm sick of is villains falling to their doom. Yep. I am tired of villains falling to their doom. It is the death... Where you don't want to get your hero's hands dirty, you have them fall to their doom. And you know what? They already established that Batman is more than willing to murder. <laughs> yep. So what is the point of this, you know, oh, well, if the Joker hadn't, le- you know, if he had just let go, then Batman could have murdered him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He could have murdered him with his bare hands. Well, he see, I, but, but he, again, he tried to murder him before. He punched him off the roof. Yeah. He just oh, tried and- to murder him. By the way, um, Batman confronts the Joker before they go off the roof, in which he says, you know, you made me, I made you, and then Batman says, you killed my parents, to which the Joker says, oh, come on, Batman, I was just a kid when I did that. <laughs> um, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, do you know who Batman is now? Is that what it is? Don't... How do you know you were a kid when you killed this I... this guy's parents? You know, he just it, it, you know what it is? It's that the Joker killed so many people when he was young that he's just playing the odds. No, he... you know what it is? It's Sam Ham is a horrible writer. Well, yeah. And part of this script wasn't finished when there was a writer strike on that's the other problem and they said let's make the movie anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh well we gotta wrap things up so it's the end of the movie and vicky vale has learned that the true value of a woman is not in her career but getting a rich boyfriend and she tells Knox, Knox, um, I'm not looking for the Batman anymore. I, I doesn't appear that I work anymore. Um, uh, my boyfriend's <laughs> butler is going to pick me up in a car. Yay! And then we're going to have a really horrible crane slash blue screen slash composite shot that will go up, up, up to see the bat signal. <clears throat> Because, let's face it, this Commissioner Gordon is lost unless he has something really simple that he can do to get a hold of Batman. It's like, well, Batman, I, I don't know how to dial a phone. I, I, I'm functionally retarded. I, I, Just if you give gave me a button me a seat, to push. <laughs> if you gave me a walkie-talkie, I'd lose it. Probably take the batteries out and use it for a remote control to watch TV. Is there something, something simpler than that? Can I clap? Can, can, it, can it be like the clapper where I clap you on and clap you off? The bat signal is attached to the clapper. 
<laughs> he's like, do you know how to work a light switch? Oh, hey, hey, if you show me, if you run me through it a couple of times, maybe. <laughs> what you didn't see in the movie is the the back of that letter that that Batman sent to City Hall, where detailed oh, instructions they're reading for operating. out loud at the end, yeah, where the, Billy D. Williams like, time to earn a paycheck. Yeah, there were there were detailed instructions for how to operate the bat signal on the back of that letter. So Commissioner Gordon would just keep that in his pocket. <laughs> So he they they crane up and there's Batman standing there looking at the bat signal. Um, I guess knowing that they don't actually need him, they're just showing it off. Yeah, because otherwise, because um, he's not springing into action, he's just no, kind of staring not. at he's it. He's just kind of sta- actually kind of looks like he's just standing around. It's <laughs> nothing to do. I doubt it's even Michael Keaton in the costume. Oh, I'm sure. Just like oh shit, we were just going to end with the bat signal in the sky, but the producers want Batman in the shot, so uh, put uh, Stewie in the costume. And he just told him, Stewie, stand in front of the blue screen. Just stand there. (laughs) Just stand there blankly, looking around. Again, just to be fair, this, I mean, because this, this, this movie started, this was not just a template for, for future Batman movies, but for future This is a template for all superhero movies for for the next 12 years. Yeah, and so all of the other, the, the, the three following Batman movies, they all ended with a shot of characters in front of the bat signal. And, mm-hmm. and this is probably the least inexplicable of, of all of those <laughs> shots. Because in Batman Returns, it's a character who's supposedly dead who pops yeah. up in front of the bad signal. And then in Batman Forever, they're running They're in just front running of it. in front of it. And Batman and yeah. Robin, it's the same thing. It's like, well, what is even happening? It's like here? they're running away from the bat signal. Yeah. <laughs> So on that Robin, sliding, the bat signal's coming for us. So on the, on the relative scale of plausibility of final bat signal shots in Batman movies, this one is right up at the top. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the plot. Let's get to the review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, because no. we, we covered so much of it in, in while we were going through the movie in like just, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in horrible, just rigorous, laborious detail. Uh, yes. Here's 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 the thought that I had as I was watching the movie most recently. The the mm-hmm. the the pitch of this movie, the way this movie was sold to the public at the time was okay, this isn't the Adam West version. This is like a dark oh, yeah. serious adult version of Batman. But mm-hmm. the the only real difference between this movie and the Adam West version of Batman is that this movie has fewer jokes. Yeah. It is just as silly. It's just as mm-hmm. stupid. It's just as mm-hmm. implausible. It's just as yep. wacky and goofy in its own way as the Adam West version. The only difference is the Adam West version knew all of those things about itself. It had an awareness of itself. It was self-consciously witty and goofy and out there. And it was doing mm-hmm. that for a purpose. It was doing that because it had a point of view and a tone. This movie has no point of view, has no tone, no. Uh, no. has has no reason for existing other than it has nothing to say it has no bigger message it has no points to make it's just batman look batman the, and it's batman it's, it, <laughs> it started this really unfortunate trend of batman movies that were not about batman yeah. batman is there in fact not only is this movie not about batman there isn't any more than a tiny handful of scenes in this movie that are about batman there yeah. are scenes in this movie where batman or bruce wayne are present in the scene 
scene where they are functionally supporting characters, where yeah. what they are doing does not matter. These characters, the character has no agency. He has no arc. There's no arc to Batman in the story at all. What does Batman learn? What does Bat? How does Batman grow or change in this movie at all? No, right. Nothing happens to this guy at all. There's no. There's no reason other than other than just bringing like previously held. Oh. Previously, there was they they shoved a love thing in there. Yeah. One of the things one of the things we didn't cover in the plot synopsis is Alfred letting Vicky Vale into the Batcave. Yeah. Again, for no real reason at all. Right. Just... And here's the thing. That scene is not Alfred, how could you do this? Or oh I've got to explain to you why I'm here. The instant she walks up to Bruce Wayne in the Batcave, they start talking about how they're in love. Yep. <laughs> Literally. She's not surprised. She's just like, we're in love, and how can we make love work in love with the love? You've had one date. You know almost nothing about this man. He could skin children when he's not Batman, and you have no idea that he's doing He's He kept a pretty big secret from you. You know, a whole cave full of secrets. But you're talking about how you're in love. Like, like they have this epic romance. And that's and that's just from Vicky's side. When you look at things from yeah. Bruce's side, he, does, he doesn't even seem to particularly like her. No! <laughs> But he he's saying words like he does. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my own theory about that Alfred scene is that Alfred, like me watching the movie, just finally got impatient with nothing happening. And he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to make some shit happen. Vicky, get in here. Get in the book here. He's Batman. Go. Do. Do something. Yeah. He just got... Because I want him to be happy and not be beating people up. Yeah. It... But I'm also going to do whatever he tells me to. Even though none of that stuff is in the movie. They're like, like uh... Alfred has this conversation with Bruce in the back of where he's like, you know, he and they give him like these really eloquent sounding lines where he's like, you know, I have no wish to spend my remaining years grieving for the loss of old friends or their sons. But he's talking about stuff that the movie has never told us about, the movie doesn't care about. This is not a Mm -hmm. movie about Bruce Wayne, the self-destructive, obsessed guy who is being Batman, who maybe shouldn't be Batman. That would be like a character arc. There's nothing there. He has no revelation. He has no decision to make about his life Mm -hmm. or Batman. It's All that stuff that Alfred is talking about is pointless. It's just filler. By the way, Alfred only exists to be the magic file man. (laughs) They they apparently do not have a bat computer. Every Every time he goes, Alfred, I need uh, the police files on uh, Jack Napier. Right away, sir, I'll pull them out of my butthole somehow. You know what, dude? I have an entire mansion to clean by myself. (laughs) I'll get you your file, but I'll get to it when I get to it. But somehow Alfred manages to get the police file. Yep. On him. How did he do that? We don't know. Is it possible that Alfred is more skilled than Batman is if he can get into the police headquarters and get a file on a known criminal and deliver it to Batman? Oh, and by the way, how come it takes him that long to figure out that Jack Napier and the Joker are the same person? Yeah. They don't look that much different. Uh, Okay, so... We're going to run into some problems because I have no doubt that there are people who still love this movie. And maybe they haven't watched it in a long time. Or maybe it's one of those, you know, nostalgia things where it's I, like, I saw this when I was seven. I, I saw this when I was ten. I, I, I think that it. I think that's got to be about 90% of it. Because, like, I, uh, I used, when I was nine years old, I loved this movie, too. And I still have, like, nostalgic feelings for it. Like, I can watch it and sort of just enjoy it for what it is. But it is, it just, it, as an as an actual movie, like, it does not work at all. No, it just it does doesn't not. work at all. 
I saw it. I saw it. It was 89. I was 19. I was 20 years old. And I almost walked out of the theater. I had been waiting for a Batman movie for a while. I was a huge <laughs> Batman fan. And here I am watching Batman murder people <laughs> on left and right and make dumb, dumb decisions. And just the, the the level of the writing, everything was just like, oh, really? Everyone loves this? Why does everyone love this? Uh, but I stuck through it. I watched it to the end, and I don't think I watched it again for ten years, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe even maybe even longer than that, because I didn't feel a need to go back and watch it again. I wasn't I wasn't filled with excitement and like, oh, I can't wait to see what, where Batman's going with this. And it was like, no, there, there, I had no need to rewatch it. It was so simple and so uh, so poorly written that I got everything that I needed, probably in the first fifteen minutes of the film. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't need it. Didn't need a rewatch. So you know, if you love this movie. Movie for nostalgia's sake because it takes you back to your childhood. I can't touch that. I'm not going to say, you know, no, screw you and your memories. Your your memories are valid. Okay, let's get that on the table right now. Your memories are valid. No one can touch your memories. And if you have fond memories of Batman and all, oh, this is the first movie my dad took me to, or whatever, or maybe you got a hand job when you're 15, your first one while watching Batman. I'm not going to try to wreck that for you. What I am going to say is. If you're going to watch it again, this might be one of those gut punches. And there's a lot of them. Like Transformers, the cartoon show. That's a gut punch. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I love Transformers, the cartoon show. Try to watch it yeah, again. It's... Try, to watch, try to watch He-Man or Thundercats <laughs> or any of the things that you Don't love you when you're Don't you ever, a kid. ever, ever say anything about He-Man or this is over <laughs> right now. I will... It was created by a man who's colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a joke. He was literally colorblind. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you anyone that your memories are invalid, but I am going to say that this movie is awful and I hate it. (laughs) I have to agree. I really do. I mean, if it's, it's a really bad movie in its own right. Like, I mean, like a shockingly bad movie. And it's It's... not bad as in you're laughing at it. It's just bad. Like, wow, a lot of people spent a lot of money and didn't seem to put a whole lot of effort into it. It's like, oh, well, all of the cityscapes of of Gotham City and all this other stuff. And it was like, okay, so you dressed everyone up in period 30s costumes. Um, You built a bunch of sound stages. Redressed the sound stages so you could have different locations. But I never felt like I wasn't on a sound stage at any point. Um, So there was was some style points in that. But I never got a sense of scope or realism from the the city. There are no realistic characters that I can latch onto and and identify with. And it doesn't have to... No one can identify with Batman. Everyone who says, I identify with Batman. No, you don't. Batman's a lunatic. He's a lunatic who fights crime because he'd be nothing if he didn't. And, and, and unless you are dressing up in black and going out and routinely risking your life to do that every night, you're not identifying with Batman. But there has to be someone that we can, you know, look at and say, oh, that's a human being. I get that person. <laughs> nope. But no, not at all. So, Steve, would you recommend Batman I, to, uh, to someone who's never seen it? I would recommend it if you want to get the jokes. I mean, it, it's it, it's become like a cultural touchstone mm. in a way. It's just it's one of those movies that I think if you care about 
American popular culture and you care about like Hollywood movies, you should probably watch it once just to say you've seen it. But yeah. but it's there's nothing to recommend it on its own merits as a movie. It just no. it, it it it's uh, it's of the movies of its kind, like those big blockbuster event movies. It's actually one of the worst ones of those to me. It's just awful yeah. in every way. The only reason to see it maybe is if you want to see really really talented actors like Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton occasionally occasionally uh making something out of absolutely nothing then it might yeah. be of interest to you because Michael Keaton does his best to try and sort of suggest some kind of complexity to Bruce Wayne that just isn't there uh Jack Nicholson tries to breathe some life into the Joker that again just just isn't there uh but other mm-hmm. than that i mean as as a movie there's just it's just awful it's not recommended at all <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not going to recommend this to anyone who is a Batman fan who has never seen the original Batman movie. Once again, if you love it because you saw it as a kid, awesome. That's fantastic for you and, and good on you. But if there are Batman fans out there who have never seen the original 89 Batman and you just want to get angry <laughs> or bored... Because there's a lot of nothing going on in this oh, movie. It's so dull. There is a, a lot of we're in the we're in a newspaper room. We're in, in the Wayne Manor. Or oh look, Alfred's talking again. That's interesting. <laughs> then yeah, watch this movie. It's awesome. Or maybe you love Prince and you want to hear that. Or maybe you want to hear the original score that Danny Elfman wrote and then copied over and over again for his next nineteen films. Um, you could watch for that. Maybe you could just listen to the soundtrack on, like, I don't know, iTunes. I bet you could find it there. But I'm not recommending this film at all uh, to anybody <laughs> ever. I wish it wasn't made. There, I said it. <laughs> Please don't watch this movie. Please, please, please don't watch this movie. Steve, do you have a movie that you would like to recommend? You know what? I, I did some thinking, and I, I did I came up with a movie that I want to recommend. It's a movie that most people who are listening to this have probably seen already, but I feel like I should recommend it because I think it's kind of the opposite of, of the kind of superhero movie that Batman is. Uh, one, uh-huh. one of the one of the really shitty things about Batman was that, as we've mentioned already, it was it sort of became the template for the superhero movie for like the next mm-hmm. ten years because it did just make so much money. Um, but that template changed a little bit when we got to around 2001, 2002, uh, mm-hmm. when the the current wave of superhero films kind of kicked off. Uh, so the movie I'm going to recommend to, is the movie that, to me, marked the transition from that Batman type of superhero movie to the more uh, slightly more sophisticated, more palatable version of a superhero movie that we still have for the most part today. And that's the original uh, Spider-Man. Oh, uh, I'm, okay. I'm recommending Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because this was a movie when it came out because I had been sort of fed a diet of Batman clones for the last 10 years uh, I was not expecting much from Sam Raimi Spider-Man it had been in development hell for a long time it was a movie that had a very troubled history before it got to the big screen and I just was not expecting to enjoy it and I mm. and I loved it I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was an incredible movie it was everything that Tim Burton's Batman was not it was actually about its main character Peter Parker has a story he has an arc he learns things he grows he has experiences uh, it found ways to incorporate little things from the comics into the movie so that if you were a Spider-Man fan especially if you were like an old school Spidey fan from like the uh, the Steve Ditko Stan Lee years you would find stuff that you recognize that was familiar to you so it did that sort of thing really well too and and luckily this movie made even more money than Tim Burton's Batman did 
<laughs> it was it made like half a billion dollars just in the domestic mm. box office. It was a huge hit. So then it became the movie that the following films ripped off, uh, mm. which they did big time. Uh, even some really good superhero films that followed Spider-Man ripped it off shamelessly. Uh, uh, so that's my recommendation. It's it's sort of the opposite number of, of Tim Burton's Batman, Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man. Uh, maybe if you watch Batman and you are incredibly disillusioned because it's worse than you remember it, you can pop in Spider-Man and, and have uh, a, a, maybe have an improved mood as a result of that. So there you go. Okay. My, recommend- my recommendation is going to be out of spite against Batman 89. And I'm going to recommend Batman 66. Yes. <laughs> the Burt Ward, Adam West... Um, super campy um, Batman movie um, that uh, kind of solidified the popularity of Batman back in uh, back in the 1960s. This is the ultra campy. Don't take any of this seriously. Um, actually, kind of dead on um, representation of what Batman was in the 1950s. To be quite honest, um, you know, big set pieces, dumb, super dumb plot <laughs> devices. <laughs> Um, knowingly bad writing um, and earnest performances, you know, by by uh, Adam West and Burt Ward. And if you haven't seen it, go out and see it. And don't watch it expecting it to be a fantastic film that's going to have you at the edge of your seat. That is not what the Batman movie is. The Batman movie is a time capsule of kitschy fantasticness. And it is everything that Batman 89 wanted not to be. And, um, and when you look at the two movies side by side, the Batman 66 movie still works for what they wanted to make. And the 89 one does not stand up to the test of time. So go out and find it. I'm sure you can find it practically everywhere. And Batman 66, funnily enough, is, you know, making a comeback right now. Um, there's a comic in, in, wor- in the works. There is a new uh, animated film that's going to feature uh, Adam West and Burt Ward. Um, that's going to be coming out uh, fairly soon. Um, there seems to be a real research resurgence in uh, in uh, the 60s Batman and I lived through a time where if you said anything at all about the 1960s Batman you had to cross yourself and then whip your back in penance yeah. because everyone every, it was really in vogue to really hate campy Batman because Batman was dark and tough and gritty and now I'm kind of like that was stupid and pretentious of me I love the original Batman in fact right now as we record this I'm wearing my Batman 66 t-shirt oh yeah so there take that snobs of Batman <laughs> all Batman are valid <laughs> and you know what? I will say this, right? Because I, I went through that same sort of phase where I was, where I, I just completely rejected the the '66 version of Batman. Uh, as I sit here, the uh, other other than the Dark Knight, which I I still love and still think is yeah. is the best Batman movie. Other than the Dark Knight, I think Batman '66 is the best Batman movie. Uh, yeah. I think it, it, as you say, it, it 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 works in exactly the way it tries to work. It's really funny. It's really well done. There's a, a, a that scene where Batman's trying to get rid of the bomb. Yeah, is a some days classic. you just can't get rid of a bomb. It is yeah. a, it is brilliant. It's like a, it's like a scene from a silent comedy. It's amazing mm-hmm. and it's and it works. So well. it's just a it's yeah it's it's all all of us who who were uptight about the the Adam West Batman when we were teenagers or in our twenties we uh, I'm glad to see that many of us are getting over it and 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 embracing that movie and that show as a really great version of the character because it's so oh, well done a silent movie era Batman Buster Keaton is Batman and Fatty Arbuckle is Robin oh now you're talking oh that would that would be awesome now you're talking <laughs> With my Charlie language. Chaplin as the Joker oh, oh stop. <laughs> 
You're teasing because this can never happen. You're... No, unless we go manage to build a time machine, go back in time That's and convince right. them to do this thing. <laughs> if, I, if I had a time machine and I could go back to the 1930s, what would I do? Stop World War II? No, I'd make Batman starring Buster Keaton. You know what the, you know what the result Chaplin. would be? Film historians going, what the fuck was that thing that they made back in 1922 where Buster Keaton had an extended fight scene on a moving train? <laughs> <laughs> Dressed as a giant bat. Uh, okay, that's it this time. I know you disagreed with us. I have no doubt in my mind that there are people who are angrier than anything about this review, and that's fine. We're not here to invalidate anyone's feelings, but you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong if you still love the movie. Good on you. Love what you love. Follow your bliss and all that shit. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Once again, this has been Jason Harding. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> you need to come up with an know, catchphrase. I do. Oh, I, I've got one. It's I don't give okay, a rat's do ass. <laughs> now, you're stealing from my... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>